Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in first word this morning. We all got quiet. Once you look at somebody across the way from you and smile at somebody that you didn't come to church with this morning, look at them, smile at them, tell them good morning. Praise God. So, I feel I feel a little more normal. I'm not gonna lie. The last three minutes of this, before we started this session, I was panicking. I always have a handkerchief because I can sweat in an igloo. And uh, I got to looking for my handkerchief and I couldn't find it. I checked my pockets, my front pockets, my back pockets. And I'm wired this morning because I'm helping praise sing. So I've got cords attached. I've got things hooked to me. I was looking fervently for my handkerchief. I could not find it. Finally, I dug deep down in the inside pocket of my coat, and there was my handkerchief. So I feel feel better now. I've got my security blanket with me. I've got my handkerchief. We're going to do something a little different. Um, I know we had talked about starting a four-part series this month on love. We got the first one out, and uh, then the flu hit. And so we're going to revisit that series at a later time, but Valentine's Day is coming gone, and I feel like you guys are ready to move forward. And if it's okay, we're going to move forward. We're going to start another series. We will come back, and we will finish that up at some point. For the next few weeks, we want to talk, I want to talk about, from this thought, Faith under fire. Faith under fire. And we're going to take an in-depth look at the life of Joseph. We're going to start this morning in part one, and it says, You meant it for evil. You meant it for evil. Genesis 37, verses 19 through 20 says this, And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. This sounds like mortal enemies talking, men who hate each other's guts, men who can't stand to be in the same room. But these words were spoken by Joseph's brothers. I want, to think, I want you to think about this. I can relate a little bit to this, and I, I, can, I can see the, the, the weirdness, if you will, in that statement, because I do, have a, I do have a sibling. I have a younger sister. And while she drove me nuts growing up, and she would make me angry growing up, I never wanted a killer. Not, not really. I mean, I, I, might have, I might have chunked a dirt clot at her one time, hit her in the eyes, got dirt all in her eyes, and got my tail end tore up by my dad. But it wasn't like I was really trying to inflict bodily harm. We happened to be having a dirt clod war, me and my cousin, and we were getting after it. And we, were, we, we found out if you took a short piece of PVC pipe and you stuffed that thing full of dirt clots, you could sling it. And it would have a shotgun effect. You could just pepper the other person. And the harder you swung the PVC, 
the more velocity the dirt clots hit with. And it just so happened that my sister was in the way. And I told her to move. And she wouldn't move because she was being ornery. And I turned loose of a rather magnum load, if you will, of dirt clods going at an extremely fast rate of speed. And it connected with her eye, and I got in trouble. I felt bad about it after the fact, but I didn't purposely say I'm going to blind her, you know. It just kind of happened. She still can see today, by the way. But Joseph's brothers are talking about killing their brother. That's, that's tough. That, that, that's, that's going beyond just sibling rivalry. And it all boiled down to this. They didn't like the fact that Joseph was highly favored by their dad. They couldn't stand the fact that Joseph was favored by his father. Now, I don't advocate for showing favoritism among your kids, but that wasn't Joseph's fault. He just happened to be born from Rachel, who happened to be the love of Jacob's life. The other boys were born of Leah, and she was, the Bible calls her the tender one, the fair-eyed one. And so there was, there was this rivalry there, and it had spiraled to the point that it was out of control. Now, the Word of the Lord talks about us having various kinds of problems on earth. John 16 and 33 says this, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What's he saying? He's saying you're going to have problems. You're going to have things that come. You're going to have things that come against you. You're going to go through some things. And then, so we know we're going to have problems. We're gonna, we know we're going to have some trials. But I think it's important to note that there's some things that are going to happen to you that are just going to be life. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's full of problems and issues. And there are going to be times when you're going to just, life is going to be life. Matthew 5 and 45 puts it kind of this way it says, For God gives his sunlight. To both, evil and the, to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. What's he saying there? He's saying in life you're going to face some stuff, whether you're a good person or a bad person. Life is still going to be life. Now for the Christian trying to their best to live for God, you're going to have to deal with life, but guess what? You've also got an enemy. You're going to be open to attacks. There are going to be things that are going to come against you. There are going to be the, the, the enemy is going to do his best to destroy you. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says this, Be careful and watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking a victim to devour. So you know when you're living for God and you're trying your best to walk with the Lord, I'm going to deal with life. I'm going to have some spiritual attacks that I go through. But thanks be to God, we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I know how to handle my enemy. I can handle him with prayer and the Word and with drawing close to God. I can handle life 
through prayer and the Word and trying to find my way. But this next one is the one that I want to drill down and I want to focus on this morning. You see, life can hurt and life can bring problems. And, and it, can, it can be unfair and we can deal, but we know life's going to be life. I know that I'm going to fight some things. There's going to be some spiritual battles that I fight. But when you find offense in your life that comes from your brethren, that's the one that's hard to overcome. I expect trouble in life. I expect to have to fight some things. I knew that when I made a turn from my old life. But when you get hurt by your brother, that's the one that causes the offense that I want to dig down and deal with today. That's the one that I want to explore. What, what Joseph was dealing with here was something that happened by his own brothers. By, by men that he loved, yes, he would go and tell their father of their evil report. I don't believe that Joseph was doing that to try to get his brothers in trouble. I believe that Joseph was trying his best to make sure that his brethren were saved that they were still under covenant, that they were still following after the ways of the Lord and the ways that they had been brought up. I don't believe he was being malicious in that. I believe he was looking out for his brethren. And so while he was used to the, if you'll allow me to just kind of put two words together, he was used to the abuse, if you will, of his brethren. He was used to them you know, having issues. And, and, but I believe in his mind, he was seeing it, this is just my brothers. We don't always get along. We don't always, we don't always uh, strive to, to, to get along. I, I remember some stories that I've heard that may or may not be true about Blake Loy and his brothers, or brother, and the, and the guy that stayed over at his house, Leighton Neal, that was kind of like another brother. You know, brothers are going to fight. They're going to have issues. I've heard that Blake would climb up into a tree and take a bunch of little mini basketballs and whatever else he could throw, and he would waylay his brother and Leighton Neal. And I heard that it was all going well as long as Blake was throwing and they were getting hit, but somebody launched one back and it caught him. And he come down the tree and proceeded to catch him and try to beat the fire out of him. That's brothers. You expect that. We're going to get mad. You're going you're to get frustrated at me. But we go on. There's something I've learned about having a sibling. I can pick on them, but you better not. Because the minute you do, you got problems. But Joseph's brethren, this had gone and spiraled to the point that it was not just brothers, boys being boys. They hated him. And so the offense when it comes is of a magnitude proportion because while I know that me and you don't always see eye to eye and I know that you and I don't always agree on everything, I never thought you would go to this point. I never thought you would actually think about killing me. Joseph, as I said, he's the favorite. His dad's made him a coat of many colors. He's wearing that coat around. His brothers can't stand it. And Joseph has some dreams. He dreams that 
he's going to be head of the family and that God's going to use him in a mighty way. And as he begins to tell them his dreams, his brothers hate him the more for it. And that's why in the scripture that we read to start in Genesis 37, his brothers look at each other and they say, behold, here comes this dreamer. Joseph's father had sent him out to the field to check on his brothers. They see him coming and they said, behold, here comes the dreamer. And they talked of killing him. They said, let's kill him. We'll cast him in a pit. And we'll just tell our father some wild animal has devoured our brother. That's how angry they were. Joseph gets there and they grab him. And thankfully, Reuben would intervene and kind of speak some, some, some sense into them. And they would take their brother and they would bind him and they would cast him into a pit. And perhaps in his mind, Reuben's thinking, well, we'll just we'll leave him there for a little bit. Everybody will cool off and we'll go on about being brothers like we've always been. But that's not to be the case. Because when Reuben apparently steps out of the picture, they pull him out of the pit and they see a group of merchants coming. And his own brethren, his own brothers will take him and sell him as a slave. Think about that. As mad as you've ever been at your brother, hadn't really ever wanted to bind him up and sell him off as a slave to somebody. If you have, you need to pray. But that offense had to have hurt Joseph to the very core of his being. That offense went beyond just me running into somebody and them hurting me. You see, when when you're hurt by your brethren, that's a hard one to get over. Psalms 55, verses 12 through 14 says this, For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man my equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance, who took sweet counsel, we took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. What's he saying here? The psalmist is saying, if it would have been somebody that hated me, that I didn't, that I, that I just met throughout my day, I would have just avoided them. If it would have been somebody that, that, that was an enemy, I would have expected that reproach, and, and I, I, would have, I would have been able to deal with it. I would have been able to carry it and, and bear it. But when it was my brother, when it was my sister, it hurt, and it became something that became difficult to bear. Ladies and gentlemen, we are all human. And if you live for God any length of time, you are going to have to deal with offense. You're going to have to deal with a wound that does not come from your enemy. It does not come from life. It comes from your brother or your sister. The Bible calls that type of problem offense, as we've already said. It comes from the Greek word, scandalon. It means a stumbling block. 
something that causes one to fall, something contrary to expectations that brings disappointment, or the trigger of a trap. The trigger of the trap. You see, offense can be the trigger of the trap or it can be the poison within the trap. I like to think of it more as poison. Because if handled appropriately, offense can be handled and it won't be deadly. But if you ingest offense and you let offense stay inside of you and you don't deal with offense, it becomes a poison that begins to destroy you from the inside It's a fact, ladies and gentlemen, that the closer relationship you have with somebody, the more grievous the offense. That's what the psalmist was saying. He said, it was somebody close to me that hurt me. If we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to prosper as a church, if we're going to get beyond where we are right now and we're going to see where God wants to take us, we are going to have to learn to handle offenses. We're going to have to learn to handle them. And we need to know up front that it's coming from some, it's going to come from somebody you're close to. Now, that doesn't mean they intended to, 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 to bring offense. Maybe they did. But there are times when the offense happens, and whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally, now you've got this bitterness inside of you. This Well, we're going to label it bitterness in a minute. Offense that's left in here turns into bitterness. And bitterness turns into the destroyer of the soul. But they offended me. You don't understand what they did to me. I know you may have been hurt, but you need to understand something. We've got to deal with the offense because it can't stay here. Because if it stays here, it's going to fester. It's going to work on me. It's going to turn into something. And it's going to become something that's going to destroy me. How many of you believe we're living in the end times? The last days. I'll tell you why we need to handle this. And we need to learn how to handle offense. Because my Bible says... This of the end times, when that time begins to come in Matthew 24, verses 10 through 13, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be what? Saved. Notice what he says, and notice the progression. He says, as you see this time coming, many are going to become offended. They're going to betray one another. And that offense, notice what he says, and shall hate one another. What, what happened? 
The offense turned into bitterness, turned into hate, turned into anger, and it began to destroy them. He said, when the last days come, many are going to be offended. You're going to have to have your guard up. You're going to have to be in a place where you recognize what's happening. You're going to have to understand we're going to have to learn to deal with this because it is prevalent in our world. Well, how can I do that? It's hard. You don't understand what was said. You don't understand what was done. You don't know how grievously they hurt me. This is not about them. This is about you. I remember one time preaching a revival years and years ago. I must have not done very good because they only had me come twice and they never asked me to come back. But I went and I preached, and there was, a, there was a guy that came in. He was a backslider from the church. He had lived for God for several years and fell away from God, and him and his wife had gone through a very nasty divorce. He came into the service, and he was intoxicated. And he came down to the altar, and he fell down at the altar, and he would weep, and he would cry. And it would pull at your heart. You would see this man obviously in torment, obviously hurting, and night after night after night he would come. Night after night after night we would pray together. And the last night of the revival, I wanted him to I wanted to see this man have a breakthrough so bad and, and get the victory over this. We, he was praying, he was crying. And he looked at me and he said, It will never happen. And I said, why will it not happen? He said, his words, because I can't get over what happened to me. He said, I hate her. And he said, God can't forgive me because I can't, his words, I can't forgive her. He said, I hate her. He said, if she were on fire, I wouldn't even stop to put her out. He said, I can't stand her. And he turned around and he walked out. And I never saw that man again. What had happened? He had an offense that was left. And it turned to bitterness. And it turned to anger. And then it turned to hate. And it poisoned that man from the inside out to the point he looked at me and he said, I know what I need to do to be saved, but understand me, I cannot get over what was done to me. And I believe that in these last days, there is going to be an onslaught of offenses. People are going to get hurt. People are going to be abused. People are going to go through some things. And we have to be in a place where we can help them get the victory over the offense. Proverbs chapter 18 verse, verse 19 says this, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Something happens when there is a fence that takes place. 
It's almost a natural response that we have. When you're offended, you withdraw. You withdraw into yourself. Or you withdraw into your family. And you begin to put up your walls. Now, whether that's I'm going to put up my walls to protect, most of the time that is our intention. I'm putting my walls up to protect me and my family. I'm going to withdraw myself. I'm going to double my fortifications around my life and around my family. And I'm going to ensure and protect that no one ever hurts them again. That is your natural response. But understand this. When you withdraw like that and you begin to put your walls up and your bars up, you need to understand something. Offense is different. Life comes, life goes. I'm going to withdraw into my, into my safe place. Life happens. When we deal with life, we circle the wagons. When I deal with an attack, especially a spiritual attack in my home, I'm going to circle the wagons. We're going to fight. You've got to fight offense differently than that. Because if you withdraw... You're withdrawn. You've got that poison inside of you. I'm withdrawn. I'm in my world. I've got my walls. I've got my bars. But you've got this poison inside of you. And if I withdraw from everyone, and I trust no one, and I don't deal with this, it's going to destroy me. Joseph is in a very dangerous place. The people that he loves the most have betrayed him. They've offended him. They've hurt him. They've wounded him. And now he's separated and he is by himself in a foreign land surrounded by foreign people. When you experience offense, it's going to try to separate you, and nothing is going to look familiar around you. Nothing is going to sound familiar. Think about it. He gets to Egypt. They don't speak Hebrew. He's completely in a spot of isolation. So how is he going to thrive when he's filled with offense and he's in a place where he's alone and isolated. The word says this about Joseph. He had an excellent spirit. It didn't matter what Joseph went through. Joseph still had a good spirit. You can separate me from my family, and you can try to pour your poison into me, but understand this. I'm not going to. I'm not going to feed on that. I'm not. You, you. I may have it. I may. I may have to deal with it, but it's not going to affect who I am. You need to understand right now. People are going to be people. Hurts are going to happen. But you need to make up in your mind right now. No matter what I face, I am still going to maintain a godly spirit and a godly attitude.
That does not mean that I love them at the moment. That does not mean that I'm not hurt and I'm not, I'm not wrestling with a little bit of bitterness. But hear me, the way it escalates is when you let it consume you to the point that you act on it. David said, above everything else, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to try to see the best in the midst of whatever I have to deal with. And it was that attitude and that mindset that would carry him as a slave into Pharaoh's house, as number two to, to, or, uh, to Potiphar's house, as number two up under Potiphar. That's why he was blessed. I find myself many times praying, God, give me a spirit like Joseph. Help me to have that spirit like Joseph. He didn't, he didn't shrink and become bitter and become a, a, a shell of what he could be, but he maintained a good spirit. But when you put your walls up and it becomes, I refuse to let go of this. It will destroy you. It will spill over into every relationship of your life. There's nothing wrong with you going in prayer every day and saying, God, you got to take this out of me. You got to remove this out of me. This can't stay here. I've been hurt. This can't live here, God. You're going to have to remove it. I'm struggling here. I'm fighting with it. You're going to have to touch it. You're going to have to take it. Well, it doesn't happen. It, nothing moves when I pray. Nothing changes when I pray. Will you pray again? You keep putting it out there. What are you doing when you're doing that? I'm not giving into it. Because the day is going to come when you're going to lay it down, and you're going to be able to totally lay it down. And when you do, God's going to be able to step in and he's going to be able to heal. I may have to carry this for a little while while I'm dealing with it, but this cannot consume me. I'm going to live for God. And if I've got it in broken tears every day, God, that can't be my attitude. My spirit can't stay here, God. You've got to work on me. You've got to remove this from me, God. I'm hurt, and I don't understand it. And, God, I'm dealing with it, and I don't know how I'm going to be able to fight it. But, God, this cannot stay in me. You've got to remove it. You've got to pull it out of me. I'm bringing it to you, and I'm laying it at your feet. And, God, whatever you deem that you need to do with it, here it is. But it cannot stay in me. It cannot affect my relationship with my kids. It cannot affect my relationship with my spouse. It can't affect my relationship with my church. This, Lord, has hurt, and it's a bitter pill to swallow. But I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to lay it at your feet, and I'm going to ask you to take care of it. I believe there were some conversations like that from Joseph. I do. And I believe that, oh, Joseph was human because when he was finally elevated to the second man in all of Egypt under Pharaoh and his brethren come back, 
He doesn't just, come on in, boys. Let me give you a hug. He toyed with the thought of getting even. Leave your brother. They come in, they're, they're starving, they're hungry, they're looking for food. Joseph sees them. He loves them, but he still throws them in the prison. He loves them, but he still tells them when they get ready to leave, you're going to leave one of your brothers here, and you're going to go get your youngest, and you're going to bring him back to me. He's going to scare them to death. He's going to put their money back in their sacks. When they show up with Benjamin, their brother, he's going to see Benjamin, and he's going to try to hold it together, but he's going to, he's going to turn them loose, but he's going to put a cup down in, in Benjamin's sack, and he's going to put some money down in the bottom of that sack. And when they find Benjamin, and they start to bring him back, well, he was testing them. Was he testing them, or was God testing Joseph? I can bless you to a point, but if I'm going to get you where I want you, you're going to have to handle the fence. Because I can never do in your life what I desire to do with you, Joseph, as long as you're still hanging on to your offense. Well, he was just, he was, you know, he was just, just testing them. You might have been testing them, but I've been around brothers long enough to know there was probably a little bit of, oh, I want to get even with you. You have robbed me of years of my life with my father. Something just hit me when I said that. If you don't handle this, It'll rob you of your relationship with your father. The most important relationship that Joseph wanted to see restored was the relationship with his father. But between that relationship being restored and there being communion and there being love and there being all this other stuff, I've got a fence that I have to deal with. This has to be dealt with. How am I going to deal with it? We've talked about offense. We've talked about how it, how, you know, what it is and, and all that. But how am I going to deal with it? I'll give you a word some of you aren't going to like. You forgive. How do you overcome offense? You forgive. Some of you just about choked on that right now. You really mean you want me to forgive them for what they did. This is not about you forgiving them for what they did so they feel better. This is about you forgiving them so that you don't have bitterness and hate and anger in your spirit. I forgive them because I've got to have communion with my Father. I can't let hate and bitterness turn into something that destroys my relationship with my Father. 
I, I love you. I love everybody in this church. I can stand here before you today and I can honestly say I don't have aught against anybody. But hear me, I am not going to let my love for you, and you may hurt me, I'm not going to let that offense keep me from my relationship with God. I'm going to forgive you because I want Him. I'll take it a step further. I'm going to forgive you because I need Him. Well, I, I, I just can't do that. I can't do that. You do not know what was done to me. But Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. What's he doing? Is he trying to be mean? No. But your spirit has got to be in fellowship with him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. They spit on him. They plucked his beard. They drove a crown of thorns on his head. They would smite him. Who hit you? Prophesied. These were his people. The same people that when they grumbled in the wilderness and they complained and they were offended because things didn't move like they needed to move, he steadily provided. He loved them with a love that was immeasurable. And yet they still would turn to the gods of the land. And then that God robes himself in flesh and walks among his own people. And they despise him. Yet, when he was dying on the cross in more agony than you and I will ever know, dealing with the offense that had been placed upon him, he would pray, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't understand what they're doing. Hear me. God, forgive them. They don't understand what they were doing. This was meant to destroy me and you, not me and them. I'm going to forgive it. I'm going to let it go because I've got to be healed. The minute you get to where you say, God, it is yours. Here it is. I forgive you're going to experience a healing in your life like you have never dreamed of. When you get to the place where you can forgive, your spirit's going to change. Your attitude's going to change. Your outlook's going to change. Well, it's a process to get there. It may be a process to get there. You keep praying. You keep laying it on the altar because I promise the day you finally get where you can say, I forgive them, there's going to be healing that flows into you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be able to forgive. Joseph would look at his brothers after everything was restored and he would tell them, you meant it for evil.
but God used it for the good. You offended me and brought offense out of hate and pain and the desire to inflict a wound in me. But God used what you meant to destroy me and what you meant to bring evil, and God has turned it around. Why? Because God was just willing to turn it, because Joseph was willing to let it go. Joseph was willing to forgive. Joseph was willing to move beyond it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be able to forgive offense. For you, for your spouse, for your children, that offense came from my brethren. You've got to forgive it. Understand this. If you stay withdrawn and with your walls up this is going to destroy you and it's going to destroy your family and it's going to destroy you and your spouse we have got to forgive it and lay it down stand with me this morning lord i love you i thank you for all that you've done i pray your word would resonate with us I'm asking God that as we transfer, uh, transfer into our, our main service, I'm asking that your glory would settle down in this house and that you would move this morning in a mighty way, in a refreshing way, I pray, in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in first word. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll convene for our main service. Thank you.